0: Episode 3 of Walking Around the Carl Falk Podcast, 3, we've made it this far. And when I say we made it this far, it's a good thing. We are long distance recording this today, so a little bit different, no video this week. But, you know, that's a slight change in these days that we can live with. A lot of things obviously going on in the world that we can't control, but figured we would still give you something to listen to, to whet your sports appetite. Since, let's face it, there is no sports. But there are things to talk about. One of the things to talk about, one of the things we'll always talk about, especially being located in western New York, is the Buffalo Bills. And what I found amazing this week is it came out, the win totals for the NFL season came out, and the Bills, well, they're thought of really well. You look at the Bills' win totals, and it's nine or eight and a half. You look at their schedule, it's not all that forgiving. Sure, the AFC East looks far different with Tom Brady wearing a Buccaneers uniform and the Jets still in the midst of their rebuild and the Dolphins basically who had broken everything down looking to come back. I would expect the Bills to go 4-2 in the division. But you look at the home schedule, out a division. Kansas City, the Chargers, the Rams, Seattle, and Pittsburgh. It wouldn't surprise me if every one of those teams becomes a playoff team this year. And I know many of you just went, the Chargers? Well, the Chargers don't really have a quarterback situation that I love, but we're going to get to the quarterbacks later. If they get a quarterback, if they get another tackle, which I think they can do in the draft, depending on how they manage their quarterback situation, all of a sudden the Chargers become a very formidable formidable opponent for the Bills. The Bills on the road, Arizona. And don't sneeze on Arizona because they've got all of a sudden got a real good combo with DeAndre Hopkins going over there to join Kyler Murray. Denver, an up-and-coming team with a really good young defense. Bradley Chubb comes back there. The Raiders, not sure what to make of Gruden's boys. But the 49ers were in the Super Bowl last year. And Tennessee, a team that's going to be up and coming as well. As long as they can run Derrick Henry like they did last year, they're going to be tough. This is a difficult schedule. A very difficult schedule. And the Bills, sure, they've upgraded. The Stephon Diggs addition should help change the offense a little bit. The depth they've added on defense, Mario Addison, Josh Norman, AJ Klein, Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, the extended Jordan Poyer. There's still work to be done, but this team is much better. The question is, will the record reflect that? That's where this schedule comes in. And, you know, here we are a month away from what we think will be the NFL draft. And it's tough to tell, but overall, I like this team. I like the direction of the team. I like the moves that Bean and McDermott have made to enhance the roster. I'm just not as optimistic on a 10-win Bills team as I'm sure many fans in this area are, and that's more to do likely with the schedule. Now, things change in the NFL quickly. Schedules change. Look at the Patriots. The Patriots look far different today than they did two weeks ago. The Patriots, with Tom Brady and that defense, I think even with the lack of weapons around Brady, you look at 10 wins as a minimum. Now, I would be shocked if the Patriots are able to get to 11 wins. So, The 9-win total that Vegas is putting out there, or 8.5 if you've got it at that, shows me one thing. Vegas is buying into the Bills. If Vegas buys into the Bills, that means a lot of smart people are buying into the Bills. They appreciate what Bean and McDermott doing, and One other side note for the fans, if Vegas is buying in, if Vegas is going to do these things and show that they're buying in, does the NFL follow suit? Now, the NFL schedule release right now is something that I think should be put on hold for probably a couple months. We don't know what's going on with the coronavirus and the effect on the NFL. And while we hope and think by August and September, we'll be back to our normal daily lives. There's certainly no guarantee of that. But the Bills, when the schedules came out last year, a lot of people were disappointed. No primetime games. They save it for that Cowboys game on Thanksgiving. And I wouldn't call that a primetime game. It was a marquee game, but not a primetime game. This Bills team made the playoffs last year, showed they're an exciting bunch. Devin Singletary, Josh Allen, notable young talents on offense and certainly the defense, I think there's a chance that the Bills get two primetime games. I doubt they'll get a Sunday night game, possibly against the Chiefs early on, but I don't see that happening. The one thing that's been rumored a, a lot is that the Arizona game, which will be a road game, could very well be a Monday night game played in Mexico. So something to keep an eye on there. If you're a fan of the Bills, you might have a chance to watch them a little bit more on prime time. Well, I mentioned the NFL draft, and we don't really know what's going on with the NFL offseason. As I mentioned, the coronavirus has us all wondering what the next step is and where things go from here. But the NFL draft is tentatively scheduled for April 23rd through the 25th. It's likely to be in Las Vegas. But what's strange about this, offseason for the NFL is the uncertainty. And here's where it becomes something that will play in. If the season starts, it goes on time. There's a real advantage now for teams that have stability. There's going to be no mini camp, no quarterback camp, no rookie camp. There's not that opportunity for the players to get into the NFL mode, learn the NFL way, learn the way of their team, learn the playbook. Learn their coaches. Learn what's expected of them. These are all big steps. And even for guys like Stefan Big, who have been in the league for a long time, this is a new opportunity. When things change big time, and the CBA is a big time change, and the practice time listed in the new CBA is going to be part of it, there are ways to adapt. But generally, when we learn to adapt, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. This year, this league is going to favor teams with stability. And stability in the NFL to me means two or possibly three things in a perfect world. The two things are the same head coach and the same quarterback. Because that generally means your coach has been successful and your quarterback has been successful. Because if you don't have one of those two things, those are the two positions you move on most. Quickly from in the NFL. The third component, and I don't think it's quite as important, is the defensive coordinator component. This will favor a few teams as you go through this year and start looking at teams. There are teams with stability in those two or three positions. Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champion, you're going to have a huge advantage. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are tied at the hip. They're going to be back with the same basic cast they're winning now in Mahomes rookie contract which is huge and they've got stability Philadelphia Eagles they're bringing back their same coordinators as well as Carson Wentz now the talent on the offensive line has gotten a little bit older and they're not quite as good on the outside but I have confidence in that organization to draft well and figure things out Green Bay they went through change last year and now this is year two, and Aaron Rodgers is still there. The Vikings, the Saints, the 49ers, Seattle. Don't forget, certainly, the Baltimore Ravens, the best regular season team last year. This is where, again, let's bring it back to the Bills, it helps the Bills. Teams that are going through change, teams that are going to be different, like the Patriots, for the first time in 20 years, the new quarterback under center is a new coach, And all these things that are different are going to be an effect because you don't have training camp. You don't have the ability to put in your offense during all of the other things that go on. So this is something to keep an eye on as we get closer to the season. What this another team this hurts, in my opinion, is the Cleveland Browns. And there's gonna be a ton of talk about the Cleveland Browns again this season because let's face it, we all love A train wreck. And the Browns last year, they were a train wreck. Everyone loves to watch a team go up in flames. Well, if Odell Beckham's still there and there have been some whispers that he may be on the trade block, Jarvis Landry, certainly uh, an explosive player both on and off the field, and Baker Mayfield, who is a lightning rod for criticism and helps everybody give him criticism through his own actions and through the way he speaks to the media these things are going to take time to work themselves out, but then you throw in a new head coach again, a new offensive coordinator again, a new general manager again, there is zero stability in Cleveland. In an offseason where, right now, all NFL offices are down, all NFL teams have been ordered to shut their facilities down, the continuity simply isn't there for these teams that are going through a lot of switches. So, Keep an eye on the stability factor as we go into the NFL season. I think it's going to have a much bigger effect this year than it has in a long time. And because of this coronavirus and the fact that who knows when we'll start the NFL season, who knows when and if training camps will begin on time, stability may be the most important factor in trying to figure out which teams will be good this year and which teams will underachieve so there's that with the NFL and you know one of the biggest factors in the NFL is always your quarterback and the question has always been how do we get a quarterback how do we build our team around a quarterback and if you don't have your quarterback you have no chance well college football has changed a little bit college football is now a wide open game without huddles and their pass read options on every play and the quarterback go as far back as junior high school football. They're throwing the ball all over the field. Now I'm a dinosaur. I'm an old guy. When I was a kid football was played at the Pop Warner and junior high and even the varsity level, you didn't throw the ball much. You ran the ball constantly. You'd run and run and run some more. That's not football now at every level. The ball is just, in the air constantly so quarterbacks are a little bit more advanced coming into the league than they have ever been but i think this offseason is showing us one thing we might have too many quarterbacks how can this guy be a free agent cam newton's available to everybody listen to some of cam newton's highlights And most of all, I owe it to my team and my fans. The Carolina Panthers select Cam Newton. A lot of nights where it was uncertainty. You know, the great book says, you know, God won't put too much on you, then you can bear it. Two hundred and twenty-seven yards in the first quarter. It's the quarterback. Nowhere to go, but he got away from Billy Wynn. He got the first down. He is in for the touchdown. What a show. I just want to win for others. Hell of how about running, blocking, throwing, catching. It doesn't matter. I just want to win. The Carolina Panthers released Cam Newton yesterday. Look, Cam is a guy who's won an MVP. He's taken his team to the Super Bowl. He's big, strong, has done just about everything. He's now 30 years old, going to be 31 shortly. But this is a guy who has played quite well at times in his NFL career. The problem is, over the last couple of years, injuries have caught up to him. Last year, he played just two games. In those two games, his arm looked shot. He had a shoulder problem. He had a foot problem. Well, a, a physical yesterday revealed that he's completely healthy. Cam has thrown in his NFL career 182 touchdown passes. He's also thrown 108 interceptions. He's completed just under 60% of his passes. He's also been a huge running asset for the Carolina Panthers. He has scored 58 touchdowns with his legs to go along with that. Cam Newton is now available for every team in the NFL to pick up. And not only is Cam Newton available, Jameis Winston, who threw 30 touchdown passes last season. Look, I know he threw 30 interceptions, but this is a guy who's about to enter his sixth season, who had an offensive year, that, yeah, it was marred by interceptions, but overall, it was actually pretty good. He's the reason that we're now optimistic Tom Brady may have success in Tampa. Because when you look at what Jameis did last year, you think, well, if Jameis can complete 61% of his pass, throw 33 touchdowns, what would Brady do with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? throw in Cameron Brayton, O.J. Howard. Look, Jameis Winston is a lot of things. Some of it good, some of it bad. But if you tomorrow had an NFL game to start, Jameis Winston was your starting quarterback, I think you think you have a chance to win that game. Same with Cam Newton. Hey, same with Andy Dalton. Dalton, Bill's fans love because he threw the pass that got their playoff drought broken against the Ravens several years ago. But Andy Dalton, is a decent quarterback this year when the nfl draft happens and again we assume it's going to be in late april we're going to hear these names joe burrow go probably first overall the lsu quarterback who had such a great season one season has shown the ability to improvise quickly the thing that burrow has is the quick readability that I think is so important in the NFL. He looks like a kid who's playing basketball while playing the quarterback position, sees the field very well, reacts quickly, and finds the open men. Of course, at LSU, open men were everywhere, so it made his job a little bit easier. The transition to the NFL, always a big question. Look at Jameis Winston. He was a sure thing when the Bucks took him number one overall. Now, five years later, Anyone can sign him. Tua Tug of an Alabama quarterback that we all learned to love in the national championship game a couple of years ago. He can't stay on the field, but when he's on the field, he's very good. Justin Herbert, we've been hearing his name for a couple of years up at Oregon. He's a big kid, strong arm. Rem- reminds me of Josh Allen, to be frank. Doesn't have the great accuracy, sometimes makes some boneheaded plays, but overall, a leader and a kid that most teams really like. And then there's Jordan Love, who's a bit of an X-factor, big athlete, very quick, maybe a Colin Kaepernick-type quarterback, not person, quarterback. And I think that's something that teams will like because in this day and age of football, athleticism at that position is huge. But those four guys who are likely to go early in the draft. You look at teams that need quarterbacks, and frankly, I wrote down a list. There are four teams right now that I think their quarterback situation is in flux. Four. That's crazy. I mean, do I love the fact that Tennessee has Ryan Tannehill a quarterback? No, but they just signed him for basically $30 million a year. The Bears going out and making trades and Carolina bringing in Teddy Bridgewater. These teams have already settled, or at least they think they've settled, they're quarterback situation. So there are four teams that, in my opinion, need a quarterback going into next year. Cincinnati, who currently has still Andy Dalton on the roster. I expect him to be released, and I know they're hoping to get a trade, and maybe somebody will give them a fifth-round pick for Andy Dalton, which, remember that, a fifth-round pick. There's the Patriots, amazingly, again, first time in 20 years we've talked about this, Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer the quarterback depth chart in New England. Not exactly Tom Brady-esque, but they've got to somehow get a quarterback that they can go forward with. Maybe Jared Stidham is. I know there's been a lot of talk about the kid, fourth-round pick last year, but we'll see. The Miami Dolphins, they have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I affectionately call the cockroach because you can't kill a cockroach, and you can't kill Ryan Fitzpatrick. He just continues year after year to find a way out of the field, even though he starts every year as a backup. And then his teammates love him. They win a few games, and when it comes time, he'll throw a huge interception and let everyone down again. I love Fitz. I love watching Fitz. If I had a team, he could be on my team. I just wouldn't want him to be my starter. And Josh Rosen, who a couple years ago was (laughs) Joe Burrow, a Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, same guy. He was that guy coming in. Best pro-ready prospect in that draft, if you remember. And there were five quarterbacks taken in the first round that year. Yeah, Josh Rosen's still there and possibly still the guy. And then there's the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers, who after a long time with Phillip Rivers have moved on, they have former Bill Tyrod Taylor right now as the head of their depth chart. Now, look, Tyrod, he did some good things in Buffalo, and I know there's a lot of people support him, a lot of people dislike him. He's a solid quarterback. You're not going to win a ton of games with Tyrod. If you're wondering right now who his backup is, and I was, so I looked it up, how about this guy? Easton Stick. You don't know about Easton Stick? He's a fifth-round pick last year out of North Dakota State. Easton Stick. sounds like a softball bat. Doesn't Easton make softball bats? I'm pretty sure they do. Easton Stick. I hope he gets a chance to play. Because I like strange names, and Easton Stick is certainly a strange name. So you've got four teams that need quarterbacks. There are four first-round quarterbacks according to the quote-unquote draft experts. But I ask you this. If you really want to win, if you want to be a team that has an opportunity to go forward, who's going to give you a better chance to win next year if you're the Cincinnati Bengals? You have the number one overall pick. You could do a couple things. You could take Joe Burrow. You could trade down. You could stay there and take Chase Young, who everyone says is the best player in this draft, a defensive end out of Ohio State. What gives you a better chance to win? Drafting Joe Burrow or maybe taking Chase Young and signing Cam Newton or Jameis Winston? Your team will be much better adding two good players than one. And if you don't want one of those guys, trade down. Let somebody else make the mistake. You trade down, insulate the pick you're going to make. Maybe you think two is a better prospect than Burrow anyway, and add picks. Same with Miami. Miami has five picks. I'm sorry, three picks in the first round. They have the fifth overall pick. They're expected to take a quarterback there. But should they? And there are people talking about the Dolphins trading up. Absolutely not. If I'm the Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick won games last year. He showed a team how to play last year. I can win a few games with that this year. Continue to build, and if somebody's there if five, take them. But do not move up in this draft to take a guy that you're very unsure of. And again, Jameis Winston or tunga or Tua Tonga Vaolo next year. Who would you rather have? Tua may be special. But many people said that Jameis Winston was going to be special. The first time in the long, long time that I remember there actually being too many quarterbacks. We have a glut at the quarterback position. And I think that's important if you're a Bills man to remember that this is a huge year for Josh Allen because after this year, the decision on whether or not to pick up his fifth year option and they will comes up. And then there's a decision after The fifth year, you think about it, what do you do? If Josh Allen is still the same guy, do you re-sign him and pay him the big quarterback money? Again, Ryan Tannehill, almost $30 million a year. Where do you go sign somebody who's available that somebody else has given up on? I thought the Raiders did a smart thing. They're not in love with Derek Carr. They think they can win games with him. But going out and signing a very cap-friendly deal, Marcus Mariota, who may become this year's version of Ryan Tannehill. I thought that was smart. We'll see what happens, but for the first time in forever, I think we have too many quarterbacks. Oh, by the way, Dallas Cowboys should sign one of those guys, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton. Go back to the thing that I said about the continuity, new quarterback, their new coach coming in in Mike McCarthy not going to have a lot of time. Dak Prescott possibly a holdout. Get yourself some insurance because they certainly need that at the quarterback position. All right, let's shift gears to another sport, college basketball. Elijah Hughes is going pro, and here's why. The color area, it's a high percentage opportunity. Taken right back here by Hughes. Trying to lane in strong and one down. Yeah, just right place, right time almost right here. When he recovers the basketball, he knows what to do with it, carves up the defense, and like all sublime finishers, watch his eyes. Despite the contact, keeps his eye at the goal the entirety of the play. Elijah Hughes. Oh, that, that is a pro move right there, Brian. That is a. Uh, Can't teach that. Hughes. Talked about the Hughes threes in the first half. Works his way to the rim this time. And a chance for one more. It's the split of the double here. It's very interesting. Fake, go through it, and that's a, that's a sin for the defense. Elijah Hughes has made his decision to go pro. He's played two years at Syracuse. This past season, he led the team in scoring and rebounding with second in the team and assists. He led the ACC in scoring, and that's something that you look at and go, oh, the ACC, well, wow, that's a pretty good league. Average 19 points a game, five rebounds. Elijah Hughes has pro size. He's a two guard who's about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's also incredibly explosive off the bounce. He can get up and finish, really jumps well, has a good jump shot and can shoot it from deep. And I think as that shot improves and continues to improve, I think Elijah Hughes' stock, will continue to rise. He has the ability to create off the bounce. He's got a very good handle. At times, played point guard this year because, let's face it, SU really didn't have a point guard. He has the ability to play the point at times, and I wouldn't think of him as a point guard in the NBA, but certainly somebody who, if you needed to, could fill in there for a minute or two. The question is always going to be for the Syracuse players How can he handle defensively man-to-man defense in the NBA? That's going to be the big question that Elijah Hughes is going to have to prove prior to the NBA draft. I think this is a smart decision for Elijah Hughes. He's going to be a late first, I think, early second round pick. He's going to get paid. He's going to have an opportunity to put more money in his bank account than any of us will probably ever see in our life the minute he signs that initial contract contract. One thing that bugs me whenever one of the Syracuse players decides to leave a year early, we get upset. Oh, he should stay a year. He should stay. He should improve his game. Why? Because we want to watch him play. No, Elijah Hughes has a chance to get paid. If you had a chance to get paid, you would absolutely leave your current situation and go make a king's ransom doing something you love to do. We all would. Don't be hypocritical and don't hate on a kid who's taken advantage of an opportunity. It's just not something that I think is a good way to do it. Syracuse this year is going to lose significant players Elijah Hughes, Jalen Carey, of course, transferring, as is Howard Washington and Bryson Goodeye. They've got a couple freshmen coming in Kadari Richmond, a four star, Woody Newton. A three-star. They've got back a starting five that you can look at and go, okay, middle of the pack ACC. Of course, Buddy Beheim and Joe the III will be the guards. Brahma Sidibe with Jesse Edwards and John Wallajak will be in the middle of the zone. Quincy Garrier, I would hope will take a big step forward next year. And of course, Marek Dolezal. Syracuse will be okay without Elijah Hughes. They would be excellent with him because I think the way he played and carried the team this year, showed he's got that it it factor. And Hughes is a guy who's just now getting into where we can figure out what type of player he is. He's shown us a lot this year. He would show us more next year as well, but it's not going to happen. Next time we see Elijah lacing him up, it's going to be In the NBA. I'd like to say NBA Summer League, but I'm not optimistic that that's going to happen. Good for Elijah. Make that money, young man. We'll always be thankful for what we got to watch it for at Syracuse. Speaking of summer, the boys of summer, the Major League Baseball players, have been dropping like flies, even though there's really no spring training going on. Chris Sale, it was announced last week, will undergo Tommy John surgery, missed whatever becomes of the 2020 Major League Baseball season. Yesterday, it was announced that Noah Syndergaard of my beloved New York Mets will also undergo Tommy John surgery. Look, the way guys throw the baseball nowadays isn't meant for your arm. A human being isn't expected to throw a 96-mile-an-hour slide. It just doesn't happen. Syndergaard, when we first saw him, thought, Wow, this big, strong kid, he's somebody who's likely going to be around for a while. But when you think about it, the torque that's put on the elbow, it's always going to be a factor. And Tommy John's always going to be a thing. Well, like Luis Severino, now Noah Syndergaard and Chris Sale, they're going to have Tommy John surgery and miss this year. However, I'm looking at it a different way in all this uncertainty with the coronavirus, Major League Baseball, when and if it begins, will be nothing like Major League Baseball we've ever seen before. We always know 162, 162 games. Well, it's not going to happen this year. Heck, we might not get to 80. We might not get to 50. We might not get to any. If there's a team that you follow and your players are on the verge of maybe not being healthy or maybe being healthy, they should undergo those surgeries. They should get themselves to the doctors and have the surgery. Because if there's ever a year to miss, 2020 is the year to miss. I'm sure many people listening and I know myself wish we were missing 2020. It hasn't exactly been off to a stellar start. And while I talk about the stellar starts of 2020, The Bagulas, the PSC organization, they haven't had a stellar start to their year either. Look, this is an organization that owns the Buffalo Bills. They own the Buffalo Sabres. They own some bars and restaurants around the arena in Buffalo. They own a hotel there. They have a lot of business interests in the Buffalo area, and here in Rochester as well. They control the Rochester War Memorial. They use it for their teams that they own, the Nighthawks and the Amherst, to play there. They, like many other, had to make a business decision this week, and they did so. They closed their bars and restaurants, and they had to lay off their employees. Lay off. Look, small businesses throughout this world, in this country, I should say, are laying off people because they have to. They don't have the reserves to continue to pay their employees while the money is not coming in. It's something that happens. Of course, most small business owners are billionaires like the Begoula. Now, I understand you're asking a billionaire, or I am, to give away their money. It's not how they became a billionaire. But remember this, most small businesses open because somebody had a dream and they worked hard to save money, put all their money into that dream, and they lived their dream. The Begoula, they've done that as well, but they've gotten to a point where they can go to the state, they can go to the county and say, We're going to do this project. We're going to build Harbor Center. We're going to build a hotel. And because of their ability to finance such projects, the county, state, local governments all want to be partners with them. So they give them tax breaks. They give them tax-free loans or interest-free loans. They give them grants. The Bagulas have taken advantage of several of these things. The biggest thing will be when they – Decide what they're going to do with the Bill stadium. If they get a new stadium or if they refurbish New Era Field. When that happens, they're going to have to invest a lot of money, again, in Buffalo. It's a good thing. The Bagoulas do that well. They put a lot of money into that town. But they're also going to have other people help them. The NFL will likely pony up a check. But so will New York State. So in a time when many people are struggling, the Bagoulas decided to lay everybody off all those people will be on unemployment insurance provided by New York State. The also, when they laid them off, told them that after this is over, we encourage you to reapply for your job. In other words, your job won't be waiting there for you. Look, this is not how good people handle things. They don't do business the way the Goulas do. They're great business people. They're just not great people people. Nobody wins all the time, but the Pagoulas seem to win more than most. They just don't care if anybody else around them wins. So, again, here's another black eye for the Pagoula organization because they not only laid their people off instead of stipending them, trying to keep them around and keep them afloat while well, going through this hard time. Now, they also said, yeah, we hope to have you back. We're not going to guarantee that. Just not good business. Well, while we're all going through this coronavirus, and if you're like me, you've been watching copious amounts of television, I thought each week while we go through this, I'd give you a recommendation of something to maybe binge watch. And this week, the recommendation is an oldie, but it's a great show. Rescue Me was on FX Network. Dennis Leary was a star. It's available on Hulu. If you're looking for something to binge, watch it. It is just a great, great show. You'll laugh, you'll gasp, you'll, you'll, you'll think. It's really, really well done and worth your time. Time is something we've all got. And our time for today, well, it's up. But we'll be back next week, God willing. And hope you all stay healthy, stay safe, and stay distant from each other. Thanks to Joe for putting this on again. Episode three in the books. We'll talk next week.